So, it's been a while. Hello, my friends. I have been away for too long, but I am back. I don't have a good reason for why there have been no episodes in um, one or two months, but I will try to explain myself anyway. When I started this podcast, I was very clear about one thing. It's a personal blog with no specific theme. I don't need for it to follow a fixed drop frequency. And every episode should be fun or funny to the best of my limited abilities in this area. I was finding it a little hard to feel inspired in the last two months and um, to find content that may resonate with me and is also worth putting out there. And so I guess I just let it, oh my God. <laughs> so I guess I just let things sit for a while. Anywho, so today a friend messaged to ask the, when the next episode is out, for it feels, and I quote, like an unfinished orgasm to leave this hanging. I have weird friends. And speaking of weird um creepy behavior. Just an hour back, I was returning home and I was in my apartment building's lift. And I noticed, and I kid you not, I'm not making this up. I noticed someone had engraved my name on the lift's metal door as it closes and drawn a heart around it. This is so bizarre. I know, I know there isn't any other Zoya in the building. Uh, It's a very small building and there's a WhatsApp group with everyone's names. I also don't know how long this engraving has existed. Um, It's a bit weak, like done with a card key, so it doesn't immediately pop out. So it might have been there for a while and I just hadn't noticed. I will put a picture of it on my Instagram page and you can check it out. But um, here's here's what I think about this. Okay, so firstly, um, this is obviously a bit cringe. Please tell me you love me by throwing bread crumbs of half-baked attention my way like a real 21st century man instead of clear lift engravings. Also, if the goal is to creep me out, the, the bar is way higher, my friend. I am a regular woman in India who has studied and worked in male-dominated environments to have a keyed engraving find an etching in my mind. Like, come on, do better. Actually, please don't. Uh, lastly, my best guess is that this is probably the work of a bored sweet delivery boy, though I'm possibly the worst dressed when I order in, so I don't know what they'd seen me. Back to unfinished business that this podcast has been. Today, I want to share lesser known pros and cons of traveling solo. I didn't think honestly that it was very novel anymore, this whole solo traveling business. Most of my friends are independent bitches, but I met some folks who hadn't had a chance to travel alone, and they seemed to be very intrigued and fascinated with the idea, almost as if they longed to be able to do it, but can't for some reason. Maybe they're married, maybe they're scared, maybe they have, they always have a lot of people to go on vacations with. There are enough listicles on the topic if you're generally curious. What I want to share are three personal observations I had in three different vacations from this year that might give you an interesting perspective. Here we go. Number one, I was traveling to Bali in December. This wasn't a solo trip, strictly speaking. I was meeting people in Bali, but the journey from Bangalore to Bali via Thailand uh, was just me. Now, 
I don't know what it was about that night, but Bangalore International Airport seemed to have a lot of couples traveling together. Just what a single person needs end of the year, right? Love thrown in their faces. My tired eyes picked out quite a few couples, completely oblivious of their togetherness. Let me share a few examples. I got in a long queue at one of the two airport lounges that were uh, open and serving meals at that hour. It was dinner time, queue was a bit longer, and I was wondering if the other lounge might have a shorter queue. But I could not abandon my post. There was a long enough queue behind me too. A couple in front of me seemed to have had the same thought, but there were two of them. So obviously they tag teamed. One of them meant to check the other lounge while the other one held position. In the lounge itself, um, a woman absentmindedly uh, watched over their bags and grabbed an empty spot for two while her partner filled up plates. I had to leave my bags where I could keep an eye on them and hope no one grabbed the empty seat while I was left standing with a plate full of food. Outside the lounge at a, at a relay store, a man uh, got out of queue to quickly grab a travel uh, pillow, one of those neck pillow thingies while his partner still stood in line. And on returning, he just remarked how he noticed she'd forgotten it and, uh, you know, he, uh, she always finds a spot on his arm and then it has to go numb. So here's uh, the travel pillow. I, of course, had to remember to get my travel pillow lest I find a spot on some stranger's arm, which, by the way, might have fixed the whole problem for me. But um, there's definitely a sense of self-reliance in traveling alone, you learn to watch your six, look out for yourself and all of that. But isn't it nice to have someone else also running through mental checklists as you leave the house and, you know, be somewhat responsible for you? This, by the way, is your cue to go plant a kiss on your unsuspecting partner and tell them how grateful you are for them while they look utterly bewildered. Number two, I was at a surf camp in Vartala by myself. Now, when you're alone, uh, you by default uh, gravitate to communal spaces such as large shared breakfast tables. And you immediately spot fellow solo travelers uh, who are often just as awkward about their aloneness as you are. It's an instant camaraderie and um, if you're open to it, it can lead to interesting conversations. On this large breakfast table was a couple on one end. Seemingly annoyed with one another for probably something trivial, like, I don't know, maybe one of them forgot to pack a toothbrush despite the other one reminding them five times. And on the other end with me. When another solo traveler approached the tables, guess who they chose to sit with? Within two or three days of that stay, seven, eight of us were part of a group and we still keep in touch six months later. I've often noticed that people who are traveling in a group or as a couple have far fewer interactions with other travelers, partly because they don't need to, partly because others think they don't need to. I have loved the moments and conversations with strangers that I've collected in my years of traveling alone. I may have forgotten names, a lot of faces are bloody, not many graduated to a more long-term connection, uh, but it's been enriching and I wouldn't trade it. Number three. I recently spent two weeks in the UK with my parents. It was a very last-minute travel plan, and I took it upon myself to, uh, you know, plan the whole itinerary and be their tour guide. Now, here's something you should know about me. I do not enjoy being responsible for ensuring everyone on a vacation is happy. 
I've realized it's a futile endeavor and uh, one that I have little patience for. And yet I signed up to ensure three different people who haven't traveled together um, since the youngest one got older have a fun trip. In a group, your travel experience is a mix of everyone's expectations and not a singular dream trip. My mom craved Indian food, something that I wasn't prepared for. My dad wasn't comfortable with surprises, and I just wanted enough space in my day to read. Not everyone got everything, but all of us had the chance to experience that which we individually wouldn't have. There is an exquisite joy in having hot butter chicken after a long, cold walk in windy Glasgow. I wouldn't have ever thought of experiencing that if it wasn't for my mother craving some comfort food. There is beauty in art galleries and museums that I personally wouldn't have discovered in the 30 minutes I would have chosen to spend there. Instead of the three hours, we eventually did because of my dad's peak interest. Also, uh, to be honest, I was sick of all the arms stretched selfies as the only pictures of me from every trip. And now I have 200 plus caught on my dad's DSLR. Uh, he's a photography enthusiast and uh, I'm a reluctant subject. And I had one such candidate on the Instagram page if you're interested. So there you have it. If you've experienced what I have, you can share a, oh my God, same on the post for this episode. If I just helped you feel a little bit more grateful for who you have in your life, uh, share hashtag blessed or uh, something less Gen Z. I don't know. Thank you for listening to this. I will be more consistent here on and a bit more professional too. So if you have any feedback, tips, suggestions, drop them in. Uh, you know where to find me. If you don't, you can find the Instagram link in the description box of this episode. Until next time. Mm-hmm.